The Business Buzz Podcast. The Business, Business Buzz. Buzz with Mugiwa Mob Justice Gabaza. Good afternoon and welcome to the Business Buzz for a weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on Voice of Vits FM, that's 88.1, broadcasting live from our studios in Brownfontein, Johannesburg. My name is your mob, Justice Kabaza, and I'll be your host for today. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to keep you um, entertained, educated and intrigued about the world of business. Now, for today, it's... Uh, you know, it's an interesting one as uh, as our tradition here on the Business Buzz. We are having our brand new heavy for the month of September. Uh, the brand new heavy is where we take time to celebrate a young person in South Africa who is um, excelling and doing their things in uh, their industry. And for today, we are joined and we have the honor of uh, talking to Apiwe Kumsani Mawela, who is a uh, South African brewmaster. Uh, she is the first person um, in the country to earn a national diploma in clear fermented beverages and is also the first black woman in South Africa to found a microbrewery. Make sure you tune in to our interview with her later in the show uh, where she'll be telling us a little bit about her journey um, in the industry and her business Brewster's Craft um, which introduces students to the science of beer making through training and actually provides professional breweries with a service uh, through quality beer testing. So that's how the show is looking like. Uh, definitely make sure you keep it locked. Um, coming up next, we'll be getting into the business wrap with uh, Lebo Pasha, um, just giving you the week's top trending business and economics news. Remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us. You can find us on uh, online. That's our voice of Vitz, the VAU FM. Um, on social media, you can find us on Facebook. That is VAU FM voice of vits our other facebook page is vits radio academy on twitter we're at vow fm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz you can also search for us on iono.fm uh, where our podcasts and links are available and you can also find our other great content on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business make sure you keep it locked we are here for the next hour this is the business buzz on the other side of this we get into the business wrap Business Rap with Lebo Pasha. It's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by a financial expert, um, Lebo Pasha, who is the general manager uh, for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute. Uh, Lebo, greetings to you. How's your week and how's this week in business? Um, greetings to you, Modern. Greetings to the VARFM listeners out there. Um, it's a good weekend. I've made it a long weekend. So, like, like most South Africans, I've taken the Friday off. And, yeah, I've got an extra, extra long weekend. And in terms of that, uh, what has happened this, I guess, in the news, you know, that's been catching your attention, as you as you said, and as you are practicing, it is a long weekend for most people, which means the business week was, you know, much shorter than usual. Yes, so we had a question, an interesting heritage weekend. Um, we've seen um, a lot of articles come out from the media about, not just the quell the brand, but from um, Gwasizaban to the um, alleged cult in KZN. Um, this is a, a religious community or um, what you'd call a mission 
that started, I think, about 50 years ago, um, based around agriculture, and people were being taken in um, over a very long period of time. And some of the stories go back even before the end of apartheid, where um, we've seen people who are part of Wasizabandu coming out and saying that they actually spied for the apartheid government and were doing work for the security police in times of apartheid. And this has now translated into uh, abuses or human rights abuses that continued after apartheid, where we've heard some shocking stories about people who've basically been not allowed to leave that place, um, allegations as well of rape and, and sexual abuse. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite alarming when you read some of the, 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 the stories and testimonials from some of the people who were part of that mission. But we've seen the big grocers, um, we've seen macro game, food lovers market, uh, Woolies bar, who also buy um, some vegetables and other agricultural produce from this case at admission um, um, in in um, area close to Bamapumolo. Um, we've seen all of these large grocers taking some of these products off their shelves. The biggest one that, that everybody probably uh, know is aquatic water. Mm. It really sounds like a like a very deep story. What I'm trying to understand right now is what's the actual Aquao link? So the Aquao link, I think it's, it's a bit um, foggy at the stage because um, nobody's really come out with a very clear description of the connection, but it appears that um, the Aquao bottling plant is located on the farm that is owned by this alleged cult uh, or Wasizabandu mission. So the water processing and bottling plant is on the farm as well. Um, it's not clear whether the activities from the broader sort of property have um, gone into Aquil's bottling plant and whether you've got people at the plant uh, who are working at this plant that are also part of the mission as well. But um, we've seen macro game and food lovers cut ties basically with some of these businesses that are linked to um we've seen macro take take the bottles of aqua water off its shelf so there's definitely um a close tie between the bottled water brand um which is allegedly may may be owned by wasizabandu and that's been taken off the shelves Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, and then moving on, we understand that um, the South African Reserve Bank is saying that there will be no more interest rate cuts. Yes, we've seen the Sitra Kanyako draw um, a very thick line in the sand for for the SA government. He's basically told us that the last interest rate cut that we've gotten should be the last interest rate cut. And what he's basically saying to the government is that cutting interest rates to try and stimulate the economy is not going to fix SA's problems. So the way it works is when you cut interest rates, you hope that um, you'll discourage people from saving money because when they put that money in the bank account, they'll continuously earn less um, interest and you'll then be encouraging them to spend that money rather. So um, he's saying... um, this and quantitative easing, um, which is reduction of interest, would um, not produce the kind of skills the economy needs. It's not going to um, deal with our issues um, around um, fiscal 
um, discipline. So overspending on our budgets, not being efficient, and not in, in very direct words, probably also issues with corruption because um, we've seen the 500 billion rand uh, evaporate or large parts of it because of PPE uh, procurement scandals across the country. So he's basically said the government needs to do its job now. He's done what he can and it's now over to the government. And speaking of government and uh, the different responses to COVID-19, you know, and some of the issues uh, in the country, even before the, the pandemic struck, but are still um, haunting us to this day, load, load uh, you know, load reduction uh, across South Africa? Yeah, um, we, we're learning new terms all the time. Speaking <laughs> to someone in Zambia who also didn't have electricity and was trying to understand what is load reduction. And simply, um, load shedding is when you've got issues on the national grid that are being fixed by cutting electricity and load reduction is at a, a much smaller area. So you'd cut off a city or you'd cut off a suburb, um, part of a city, um, and that would be load reduction, and that's just balancing the grid in a smaller area. And we've seen ESCOM um, give notices um, on this Heritage Day weekend um, of areas across or parts of counting Limpopo, Free State, and KZN that have basically been cut off um, the grid. And, and these are a lot of areas. So I think we're going to be living with this for, for quite a while yet. There's a long list of, of areas that I won't go into, but we've got a lot of cities like Ladysmith, we've got um, we've got some Duba Duba, so this is the Richards Bay area in KZN, um, and, and large swathes of other areas, even in Tuane as well, uh, in Pretoria, our capital city. So, definitely electricity issues are going to be carrying on with us going on into the future. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done also at a municipal level to try and fix um, issues around non-payment for electricity because this is where a lot of this comes from. And this is ESCOM trying to deal with that situation of non-payment for um, electricity across the country. So that's been it in terms of uh, this week in the business wrap uh, with Lebo Pasha just giving us some insight into the week's uh, top news. Uh, we are learning new terms, as he said. I had not heard of load reduction, uh, but apparently this is where you're sort of load shedding, but not on a national scale, but, you know, you're reducing, you know, power requirements and all of that in a smaller geographical area. We keep learning. This is the value that we're adding to you guys as our listeners on the business bus. And thank you to Lebo uh, for his dose of wisdom on that. On the other side of this, we continue with our show. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Rap with Lebo Pasha. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the main topic, and because it is, um, you know, the last week of the month, we get into our brand new heavy. Uh, that's where we celebrate a young person in South Africa, 35 years and below, who is doing the things in uh, their industry. And uh, today, we are happy to have a uh, a brewmaster, you know, someone who is uh, a beer educator, uh, who's going to be talking to us. But before that, um, you can just 
just uh, remember that you can engage with us on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vids, and our other Facebook page is of Vids Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So as we get into it, we are privileged to have our brand new heavy for the month of uh, September is uh, Apiwe Nusani Mawela who is a brewmaster, a beer educator and uh, she is passionate about all things beer. Apiwe greetings to you. Hello Budi, how are you doing? No, 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 no. We're doing all right. Thank you so much for joining us today and uh, you know, being part of our show. I think just uh, I think just as a as a place for us to begin the conversation, um, how did you actually get into, you know, beer making, beer, you know, just the whole beer industry? Where does that passion actually come from? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> uh, the, 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 the passion for beer, for the brewing industry, actually didn't start from beer as a product. Um, I was never really into beer growing up. Um, my my interest was around the sciences, so it was always around. Um, in high school, I enjoyed biology, I enjoyed maths, um, and uh, not that I was the cleverest in the class, but I I kind of understood and and, and and liked that. And that and I growing up, I knew that I was going to end up within the science field. Uh, my parents wanted me to become a doctor, uh, but um, I was not really <laughs> much into into that line. So how how I ended up. Uh, studying microbiology was um, actually I was I was doing my high school here in, in Joburg, Queens High. I'm originally from Butterworth in the Eastern Cape. So when I was in high school, my parents um, allowed me to come up here in Joburg to do my high school. Uh, I attended an open day at uh, what was then Rao, now UJ, and within the microbiology science stand, they had. Uh, they were showcasing the study of biotechnology. So they had Kenneth Kassalaga, they had yogurt, they had cheese. They had like a whole range of different um, products that are produced through the biotechnological processes. And for me, that is actually the, this way it's, the interest was sparked. Um, and uh, and because I, I mean, through the through high school, I mean, VET for me was always a university that I aspired to get to. So even when I was choosing my subjects, looking at my marks, it was always around wanted to get into vets and uh, that's where I applied to do my microbiology uh, and I was, I was accepted. Um, so I did my BSc microbiology and uh, biotechnology at, at vets. Uh, during that time, then I applied for um, bursary with SAB because in, as, as, I was, as I was looking at obviously the study and learning more around where one could work, SAB kept on coming up on my list of potential employers. Um, amongst other companies, but um, SAB at that time was uh, rated uh, one of the best employers in the country. So um, I did apply for a bursary with them. Uh, that was my first year. It was rejected. Second year, I was rejected. So they accepted me for my third year of study. Uh, so that's how I ended up obviously being secured a place within uh, the company. Uh, when I finished my undergrad, um, I then decided I wanted to explore um, other universities, and then I applied at the University of Pretoria, UP, and that's where I did my honours, um, which after that, then I joined SAB. I trained as a brewer, um, so I did an 18-month uh, brewing traineeship. During that time, I did a, a completed diploma in brewing. 
through the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, which is based in the UK, um, and then uh, worked for the company. And I also completed my master brewer um, qualification also through the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. And uh, then I left SAB 2015. I started a microbrewery uh, with, uh, with a group of, of guys. Um, there was five of us. Uh, the brewery was based in, in Kailami, called Brew Hogs. Um, and then I ran that for two, three years. And, and after, during that time, I actually started my own company, which is Brewster's Craft. Um, so in early days, I was doing training and consulting. And I then later in 2017, I received funding uh, loan from the IDC to, to set up my own facility. So, which we set up in 2018, and uh, we are currently based in Roreport. And so, we are a thousand liter um, per batch facility plant that does uh, contract manufacturing. Also, have our own beer range and ciders. I do training. I've got an academy where I do um, I have our own in house courses. I'm also accredited with the Footbev Sitter. Uh, to take in learners through learnerships, I do interns, um, and obviously my focus is around um, microbiology, biotechnology students, chem eng students, so guys that are, the studies that are within the brewing space, just to also um, expose more young people to the study of brewing, so that obviously this um, study of beer making is a norm, so you, next time you interview someone, it, it's not a shock that one can actually study <laughs> to become a brewer and actually become a brewmaster. I think, you know, uh, the, that point that you just touched on at the end is a very important one where you said, um, you know, making beer, brewing, um, and being part of the industry a norm so that we aren't surprised, um, you know, the next time we talk to someone from the industry. Could you give us maybe a sense of what that industry actually looks like? Because from a qualifying point of view and actually getting into it, it sounds like, you know, there's a whole, there's a big process that's involved because you went to university and after that there are certificates and qualifications uh, from different industry bodies that are involved. But the actual makeup of the industry itself, you know, what, what is it looking like? Um, are there, are there more appeals that we haven't heard about or is the industry keeping more appeals from being there? <laughs> no, um, obviously within the, the beer industry in South Africa, we've got the two, two major players, SAB and Heineken, and then we've got uh, the craft brewing um, uh, industry. So that's quite a small, so those are micro-manufacturers. So by, by law definition, those are breweries that make less than 100 million liters a year. Uh, currently in South Africa, there's uh, estimated just over 200 of these um, across the country. That's compared to uh, the U.S. They're sitting at uh, like close to 10,000 of these small breweries across the country. So in terms of, um, and that has obviously started changing in the last few years. So when I joined the industry, uh, this was back in 2008, um, I, I had never heard of a micro-manufacturer, a micro-brewer. So I only knew of the big brewing companies. And, and as a result, um, I think most people also were like that. And uh, to become a brewer, you, in our understanding at that time, was that you had to have worked for a brewing company and they take you through the brewing training and they take you through their qualifications. But obviously now things have changed because you have um, people who, who either have business ideas or they've traveled the world and decided they want to start their own breweries. 
So you don't really have to have gone through my path in terms of having degrees and um, and work for big brain companies. So there are many people who have started their own breweries uh, without going through that path. But obviously, as you know, education is, is, is key to anything. If you don't know what you're doing, and um, obviously you're not, you're not going to be you're not going to understand it as much as somebody who has studied it. So I think that's one of the advantages, obviously, of, of having a proper qualification backing the, 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 the brewing. Because brewing is uh, actually a combination of the science and the art. So a lot of people that, that learn it, I mean, if you look at our African culture, Omakulu, whenever I went to school to brew Komboti, but they do it and they know how to do it and, um, and, and they know what to do, what not to do, what are the, the good practices, hygiene, even though they, they have not studied that. So um, it's one of those uh, where it's easily passed on. So, but the industry is obviously evolving. Um, there's a lot more people getting into the industry. So Apua is not the only one. <laughs> um, within, the, within the big green companies, there's many other uh, black female who, who also are brew masters. Um, and then it's just that within the micro brewing space, which are small businesses, um, unfortunately, it's still very, very, uh, we don't have many females being represented. Um, and, and it's one of the things that uh, within Brewster's craft, something I forgot to mention, that Brewster is actually a female, is a term for female brewer. So for me, the company is about celebrating uh, women in brewing. And uh, so I actually mainly employ women so that I, I, there is a pipeline of, of other, other people like me who will obviously carry on um, with, the, with the tradition of brewing and, and women in brewing in the it certainly does sound like uh, you know you are on a mission to you know attack um the industry in in your own way um and actually on that side of you know being a micro brewer um i think it would be interesting to get your thoughts just around uh, what your thinking was in terms of um structuring yourself the way that you have because you came from that established world you worked for one of the big ones um got all of, most of your training from there and then sort of went out on your own first first with your partners and then now uh, with what you're doing now why have you decided to you know to do it that way because um on the on this particular show we've actually interviewed people you know um that are in different parts for example we we've we've spoken to people that are um craft beer makers but own a bar you know you know we've also had people that do craft gin etc and it sounds like the, the 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 opportunities are quite wide as long as you're aware so why did you pick the, the the parts that you did you know and and the actual focus on beer so uh for me it um like i said earlier when i joined um the company SAB, i was obviously trained to make the products so where where when it changed when things changed was when i was appointed as as a as a craft brewer or a craft specialist for the company uh, it was back in 2011 um, and because at that time it was the company wanted to to, to um, not really launch commercially, but they they were we doing festivals. Uh, so we we used to brew for an October first. We used to do a whole lot of different craft festivals. Um, to to uh, so I was appointed as a brewer for that plant. It was a very small plant within the company, and I was given the um, 
was given an open book to say through whatever. So, for example, I'll be told that there's a festival happening in Durban uh, with through whatever. What tell us what you want to make, and we'll just take it there. So I got to expose to um, the creativity within brewing where now I could design my own recipes. I could decide what I wanted to make. So similarly to a, a chef who now can create their own dishes. I mean, then you, your, your creativity, your creative um, brain kicks in, which maybe you didn't even know was there before. For me, I never thought it was something that I would end up in this path um, when I started my career in the beer industry. But at that point, I mean, it opened me up to a whole different world. I got to understand what was happening globally. I studied the global trends, seeing um, in this back 2011, 2012, with South Africa, the, the crop scene was just starting to pick up and following on the U.S. trends and the European trends. Um, and then I just, yeah, I, I, I kept hearing people like telling me, no, but why are you not making your own beer? Why are you? Because, you, you know, this is good. And, and, and looking how people, their businesses seem to be doing well from outside. Um, and uh, I think the other thing that pushed me also was seeing, uh, like my father, who growing up was a teacher, left teaching uh, earlier on and started his own business. And seeing him doing obviously well and being independent and having my aunt, who was also having her own business. I think that that's being surrounded by people who were already doing it um, and saying that, you know what, it is actually possible for one to be successful having their own business. For me, those are the key elements that actually kind of pushed me to, to ended up me leaving the company and starting my own brewery. I like the fact that you, you've brought up uh, the fact that in your own family, you know, the example of um, your father, for example, that business, getting into business is something that uh, you, you, were sort of, uh, you sort of saw growing up. So with that in mind, um, what, what has been the attitude from, I guess, your family and friends about the fact that, you know, you are in this, uh, you know, quote unquote unusual industry? I think we established at the beginning that there aren't a lot of people that are in this space. So what has been the response from your people and, what type of people do you keep around yourself? Because I can imagine that, you know, doing all the things that you're doing at the moment and running um, your your business and the institute and doing all the consulting work that you need to have a good crop of people around you to keep your, <laughs> to keep your, to keep your world in order. Yeah. Um, so I remember when, when initially when I told my parents that I wanted to study microbiology, um, the first thing my dad asked me, I was is the money <laughs> and where you're going to work. I think every parent um, wishes that their children, obviously, they, they once they, they take them through school, that they would have a, a safe job with a good income. And, and uh, you know, and I got that at SAB. I won't lie to you. I mean, um, it was very, it was a very, very steady. And I was, my career was, um, I was on a good path. You know, I had, you go know and you can see you going up and up the ladder. Um, and, and, and when I, when I then started to be, um, I think, because my parents, my dad was already in the business space. And he, he always, even today, he always talks to the fact that people always have to have not just also one stream of income. Even now, he always pushes me um, to invest in this and that whenever there's extra cash, you know. So I, 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 was, I had that kind of support where when I made the decision, it was it was it was very much 
received and welcomed and supported. And to this day, they, uh, I have a good support structure. Um, and obviously being a mother, I'm a mother of two married. Uh, so my husband is also very, very supportive in, in terms of also um, just giving me the, the giving me the time to obviously focus on the business also and helping with the kids and having someone and many for the kids. I think a lot of women, we, we sometimes feel that we have to be like super women and we have to live up to uh, some of these expectations that now you, you, now that you're a woman, people are going to feel you neglecting this and that, your kids. So for me, I just, um, I think what has worked for me is surrounding myself with people that have been very supportive, my, like my mom, if it's school holidays, she's a just kind of teacher. At school holidays, she would either come up here to help look after the kids or she would say, no, kids must come down to Eastern Cape. And then I know in that month, I can push as much work as I can because then um, the kids are well taken off by my mom. And then in terms of the business side, um, I'm also surrounded by, I think, like-minded people. I think I've been very fortunate that um, somehow I've managed to uh, to be able to select and, and, and pick the right people to surround me and people who, who are always supportive, people are always um, and who are some, or honest. So I have people who, who will tell me, no, this is not it. <laughs> and then and, and, and people who, who help you and guide you and, and actually help um, with some of the decisions, some of the decisions that I bounce off certain people. And then within the brewery, um, I've got a very good um, uh a lady who's uh, my, my head brewer. Uh, so I've known her from, from, like from my brewhouse days. I employed her then at the previous brewery as a trainee. So I trained her up also to become a brewer. And when I moved, she, um, she moved with, and now she's actually part of my uh, shareholders um, just to also make sure that the company itself, as much as I'm kind of help trying to grow the company that, there is uh, obviously pipeline, there is uh, structures in place, there is continuity within the company. Somebody who already is also in the brewing space who will also um, help continue um, with the company. Uh, when I'm obviously focusing on other things, she can then be at the brewery and focus on making sure that our day-to-day um, uh, things are getting done proper and the right way, the way that I would do them also myself. So I think all around, um, from from a, a personal family to work to um, company structures, I think I have. Um, it's also not perfect, obviously, but I think I'm 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 kind of on the right track, I believe. So we are with uh, Apiwa and Lusani Mawela, who is a brewmaster, a beer educator, and uh, she is um, the founder of uh, Brewster's uh, Craft and uh, just giving us some insight into the industry. She is our brand new heavy. Um, very fascinating discussion just around what it takes um, to be in the industry, to own your own microbrewery, the type of training that you need and giving us an idea of what the structure um, of uh, the industry is looking like and why she decided uh, that she was going to, you know, strike out on her own and the type of people that she does um, have around her. We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of this. 
COVID Biz Watch. COVID Biz Watch on, on the Business Buzz. Now, COVID Business Watch, we look at the effect and impact of COVID 19 on various businesses in and around South Africa. And in this week's edition, our producer, Slindle MCB, spoke to Tolisile uh, Matlangu, who is the founder of uh, The Scientist Chef. Uh, she is 24 and is from uh, Kwamatlanga, a small town in Pumalanga, uh, studying, she studied a Bachelor of uh, Science in Chemistry at Wits University and is an aspiring medical researcher and a restaurateur. She is passionate about food and believes it's a way of telling your story through presentation, giving a tour around the world through different food cultures and a way of sharing. She actually started a food and bakery business um, two months ago and is operating all around Johannesburg. And uh, she can actually be found on Instagram under the name The Scientist Chef. She was answering uh, this question. She was answering the following questions. Why did you decide to start your business in the middle of the pandemic and lockdown? What major advantages or disadvantages have you experienced in your business as a result of COVID-19? Do you believe your business is going to thrive once everything is back to normal? Or would uh, have uh, would you have to change um, your business strategy? And uh, what advice do you have for someone who'd like to start a business during the pandemic? Here's what she had to say. So I decided to start my baking and cooking business during lockdown because I saw a great opportunity in terms of providing service that is convenient for me and the client that is not going to put anyone at risk in terms of exposing ourselves to COVID-19 because even though we were in our houses not being able to go to work not being able to move around we still needed to celebrate those special occasions that we normally celebrate throughout the year it could be our birthdays could be anniversaries or any other occasions or maybe just having friends over for a nice dinner or lunch so it's easy for a person to just order a cake online and then just the delivery is at your step door or you just go pick it up at the client's operation place that means that there is no exposure of you getting to queue on lines exposing yourself to people or having to go into restaurants and just having to expose yourself into more people as well because we had to avoid contact as much as possible we had to keep inside the doors and also it's very convenient for one to just invite a private chef to come cook for you and your friends or your family or your loved ones that means that everybody is safe everybody's in the house still having a great time with still having a great meal on the plate but safe from outside, safe from COVID-19 and just safe from maybe spreading COVID-19 as well. And it also takes like uh, safety measures because you have to check your temperature before you go to someone else's house. You have to always wear protective gear, your gloves and your mask. So I saw a great chance in providing a service that will ensure your safety and also ensure that you're going to have a great time and just have a delicious meal or a delicious cake. The advantages of running a business through lockdown is that everyone is home. So when you use uh, your social media to advertise, everybody gets to see. Nobody is busy, nobody's caught up with work. Everyone gets to see and the exposure is great because people get to respond as well. And even ordering, it becomes easy. You don't have to involve a lot of admin into it. 
The disadvantages are that when you as an operator have to go out to get supplies for your business, that's a bit tricky because now you're exposing yourself to to COVID-19 to becoming in contact with a lot of people, which, which puts you at a risk. But yeah, those are the disadvantages. And also it's that you can't really advertise to coffee shops about cakes or on the streets because everyone is at home everyone is just on lockdown and i believe that my business is going to strive after lockdown because i have established uh, a bond and enough publicity to get it moving now people are going to be more comfortable in inviting a private chef over to just come and cook for them they're going to be more comfortable in spending time with their friends they haven't seen for in a while or even colleagues events are going to happen people are going to need food people are going to need cakes so i mean yeah it's gonna pop it's gonna grow and for someone who wants to start a cooking and or baking business firstly you got to ensure that you have a plan in place don't just say you're gonna freestyle all the way. Have a plan, a proper plan, operating plan in place to the specific, because that helps you to keep track of your spendings. That helps you to keep track of the kind of equipments that you would need to get. And also finances must not be like a really an issue. Yeah, you do need them, but the most important thing is how is your product? Is it good? And how are you gonna put yourself out there? So just make sure that you plan like thoroughly you plan and don't be scared to ask people to advertise for you don't be scared to ask any advice from people who are out there already in the industry so yeah Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are with our brand new heavy, um, Apiwe, who is uh, the founder um, and a brewmaster at Brewster's Craft. Um, she is, as I said, a brewmaster and uh, just uh, giving us, uh, you know, some ideas of what the industry is looking like and what her journey has been like in uh, the industry. Apiwe, I just want to maybe get a sense from you because um, your company was only founded in 2015, but you're one of the leading providers of training and uh, quality analysis and consulting services um, in the local, you know, brewing industry. Um, what do you think, you know, just based on the conversation we had before the break, what do you think has allowed you to actually grow, um, you know, this quickly or this fast? Actually, before I even say that, do you think you've grown quickly or fast in the last five years? <laughs> um, I, um, maybe not quickly and fast, but I think um, looking back, there has been a lot of growth in the company. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is, uh, I'm sure everybody within business, we start off with an idea and that idea just kind of evolves over time and it, it, it gets a life of its own and as you engage with more people within the industry within the space that you're in your thinking is shaped and changed uh for for the better and for me that has been the goal that i've seen um not only in myself personally but as a brewer uh so which has made, i think what has made it easier also is uh, to answer your other question is um i think coming from 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 the, the background that i have uh 
having studied microbiology up to honors level, having a master brewer, having worked for SAP, for basically for about eight years. So, so that helped a lot with the foundation for the company because it means that uh, when I when I give people my credentials or people talk to me or talk about me, they it, it's a you know you you they already starting they're not starting from ground zero. So you, they, they I I've noticed a lot of um, obviously more respect and more uh, more what's the word people people there's more buying people um get it better like that if you were somebody who just woke up decided i'm going to do this without having having gained that experience and having walked that path first the other one you know just maybe taking uh, a step back um, from your particular, you know, business, because it, it does sound like you you have made a lot of progress. Um, but one of the things that has affected, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's affected your own business and the industry as a whole is uh, COVID nineteen because uh, alcohol industry really came to the fore. You know, people have always um, spoken about the alcohol industry. It's been one of these industries that um, you know has always been prolific. But especially during lockdown, it took um, it took on a different hue um, as people debated about lockdowns and bans and all of these things that were going on. Or did you find that your um, your business was affected? Because talking to you know industry players in other parts of the sector, um, it sounded as if others were now looking to export markets if they couldn't sell domestically. All of those issues. How did you find that experience of running you know your business during um, this uh, during this COVID nineteen period? Uh, no, like all the other. Um other uh, players within the industry, we were also heavily affected by by the alcohol ban and the lockdown. Um, I, I think I remember when when the president announced initially first we went there back in March. Because um, at that time he gave us a few days to kind of wrap things up. Um, it was a bit of a shock, but um, I think the promise of twenty one days. I was like, okay, fine, at least. 21 days, let me plan, let me see what I can move around um, how, with the money that we have, what can happen. Uh, and then obviously then we were, um, the ban was extended uh, without knowing for how long. So that was very, very, very difficult because um, I had to rent to pay, I had no to pay, I had, uh, I had employees that needed to be paid. Um, you know, so it was a very, very, very stressful time. I, look, I started doing some sanitizers just to try and keep lights on, um, you know. So I tried a few things, and then obviously we opened up, and then we closed again. So it has been a bit of a not just a financial roller coaster, but also emotional. So it has been like personally stressful time because, um, like I put my everything into this business. Uh, it's all like all of me, or like my girls. Saying, saying to somebody the other day that you know what, my kids will be. Um, if I lose this, then my kids will forever have. Paying, that would be paying back my 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 mistakes. <laughs> so it was very stressful because for me it was like I knew I need to survive. I need to survive. This. I need to keep afloat. I need to swim across. Um, and I just I, I, I mean I tried. Uh, I launched an alcoholic product just to just to keep going. Um, and, and 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 just to give that lifeline. To say you know what there is hope. It just you know and and luckily for me I was also able to negotiate with my landlord. Uh, they were able to give me some, um, and, 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 and the IGC 
find financing us um, and, uh, and try to squeeze here and there to make sure that uh, the guys are taken care of. When we, I talk to them, the guys, you know, um, you know we're on a band, but our father always to cover the band minimum that, that everybody can access their food. Um, and yeah, so we, we've survived. We are still surviving because it's not over because now we are living the aftermath of, of, of what happened for the past um, five months because now obviously the landlord it, it was not so free they're gonna the one they are money they might have given us their rental break but now we have to pay and now it's more so it's now a different kind of stress because now it's, um, we survived the ban we survived the lockdown now it's a matter of surviving coast and make sure that we remain afloat for the remainder. I think if we can keep afloat for the remainder of this year into next year, um, then we should hopefully be okay going, going forward. I think, you know, on that end of surviving and then, you know, just trying to make sure that um, you do recover to those pre-COVID levels and be able to make all of those back payments, the new parts of the business that you were able to start, like the sanitizer that you mentioned just now, the non-alcoholic product, etc., do any of those things still remain or survive, you know, now that you're able to brew again or were those sort of uh, stopgap sort of activities? No, the sanitizer uh, part of the business, um, when when we in, when we opened up, when we moved to level three in June, uh, I then switched focus back to brewing. Um, and then the, the, the non-alcoholic one, uh, that, that will remain because I, um, I mean, you, you know what um, the stuff we've seen on the media around um, the alcohol issues in the country and a, a call for consumers to be more responsible, and I think the the non-alcoholic or low-alcohol category is is going to start growing. And we've seen that globally, where people are more health conscious and um, more conscious about what they consume and how much of it. So I do think that uh, one of the good things that came out of the lockdown is is getting more people to appreciate non-alcoholic products um, and get even those that do drink alcohol to to know that you know there is that category within the products that we produce and and um, that is something that one can easily easily enjoy as much as they do enjoy the alcoholic products. So for me, that was one of the things that uh, positives that came out of lockdown. And obviously, from a training perspective, another positive that came out of the lockdown was more people wanting to learn, more people bringing at home, wanting to know more about going. So I also had an influx of people wanting to do training around going. So there has been uh, on the and on the flip side, there has been some I think positives coming out of um, what we should been through. Um, I think at this point, because we are, you know, sort of rounding up and coming to the end of the discussion, uh, we just want to switch um, a little bit and maybe talk a, a little around the future, um, you know, for APUA. And I want to start with the fact that you did mention um, earlier on that you are a mother and you also mentioned the fact that you did grow up in a family where, um, you know, your father was in business. Now you are now in business. So as a mother and as a businesswoman, you know, what type of lessons, um, you know, do you think you're going to be impressing on your own children going forward just around, you know, having um, either a business or a career, you know, where are your thoughts on that? So for me, um, and one thing I actually forgot to also mention is that like my husband is actually a musician. <laughs> so 
So um, I'm a firm I'm a firm believer that everyone has to follow their dreams. Um, everyone has to everyone has a, a, a path in life um, that is set out for them, and um, that we all have to follow that. And even with my kids, um, that's something that um, I want them to know that obviously they, they, they that one if you want to there's nothing wrong with being employed. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you also have to decide what what you want to do, what you where you want to, um, which path you want to follow, and uh, I think just drawing learnings from how my parents reacted to to my life choices, um, and I think that it's important for parents to allow kids to um, to do what they want. To do. I think my 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 dad is not. I was very anti. I mean, growing up, he's still today. He's very anti alcohol, but he understands that obviously. A, a, a business choice that I've made, uh, and he is supportive. You know, he still has some of his reservations, but he, he, when it comes to him being a parent to me and being supportive to me and my choices in life, then he is actually fully supportive. So I think that is very, very important as, as parents that we try by all means, even if maybe we don't approve of, of some of the choices that our kids make, that we, we do all we can to support them. That sounds like a very positive, uh, a very positive outlook um, on that, you know, way of uh, raising kids and just allowing people to explore, um, you know, their own things and giving them room to um, grow um, on their own. Your own business, um, where do you see it going? Uh, I am, um, I am for one of my visions is to, is to, um, is to showcase what we do in Africa to the world, because one of the uh, one of the reasons why I started business was also I felt we were celebrating as Africans we're not celebrating our own as much. We're um, like if you have if you have tourists coming in from Germany, they would most brewers would still make a rice beer for them, which is the same beer they had they have at home, which is their traditional way of doing. And when people come to Africa, we never have. Um, a traditional um, element, and we don't we don't let them celebrate us the way we go out to their places and celebrate them. So for me, I, I really want um, my dream is to have a uh, not just by, my, by myself, but through our because we also do contract manufacturing. So I contract through for a lot of um, township based uh, brand owners, black brand owners that we need to create our own uh, uniquely South African uniquely African um, way of doing, style of beers, uh, brands that uh, we can then celebrate not only South Africa, but we can take out to the global beer stage and say, yeah, this is what we do in South Africa. So my, my brewing is always focused around um, using uh, African ingredients, like I have a rooibos cider, um, I use many local ingredients because that's for me. I think is is is, is way the future for Africa is, and uh, that's the path that I really want to take. That's my goal for the next five years: just continue pushing and celebrating um, the beer industry within South Africa, within Africa, and showing the world what we have to offer in South Africa and in Africa. Uh, perhaps you know because you've also brought up you know the quality uh taste and flavors of beers uh my, some of our listeners might be curious to know from a brewmaster um what the best beer you've ever tasted is <laughs> oh, that's, like, that's like a 
asking your mother who's the favorite child. No, you don't answer <laughs> such questions. <laughs> but um, to be honest, like I, I don't. So for me, I'm not actually a. Uh, I don't classify myself as a beer drinker, but more for beer appreciator. So I what I always try to do is from each brewing company, I always have a beer that I appreciate or I like, or which is my one of the, the favorite out of the rest. Um, there's actually a saying that uh, one of the famous um, chief brewers that I used to know at FAB used to say, there is no such thing as a bad beer, just that some beers are better than others. <laughs> so I've lived by that, that there is no such thing as a bad beer, but it's just that some beers are much better than others. Um, in terms of enjoying, I like, I like uh, at the moment I'm enjoying like those size songs, styles, uh, of beers uh, and enjoying my own beers, obviously. <laughs> um, and I'm enjoying the Belgian style beers at the moment, like the fruity, flavorful, um, complex flavors. That, that's what I kind of like enjoying at the moment. But I don't have one single favorite that I would say out of everything in the world that is my favorite. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are happy to hear that. Um, I think it's been a very fascinating and interesting conversation. I've really enjoyed this one. And then our last question is something we ask all of our brand new heavies. And it's what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> For me, I want to, if I was to die tomorrow, I would want to be remembered as that brewer who not only talked about transforming the industry, but actually did their part, did did my part in transforming the industry, not only in terms of introducing more black people um, as, uh, as, 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 as producers and manufacturers, because that was what we do through our contract manufacturing. A lot of the guys that we, we I'm currently brewing for have dreams of opening their own breweries one day. Uh, for example, I've got a guy who's coming from Newcastle um, in Natal and he's Newcastle Lager and his long-term dream is to open a brewery there one day. And I've had people ask me, but why are you helping people who are going to be your competition? And my answer has always been that they are not my competition. We need to transform. When we say we, when, when government um, officials stand, stand up on podiums and talk about transformation, about um, that we need to start local manufacturing, they can't do that. We need to, the ones who are already in in the industries. We need to drive it and promote it and create an enabling environment that will allow all these guys to um, to get to that point. And the other one is obviously around women in the in the beer industry. Um, I, I, I want I, I don't want to be the first and the last person, a uh, last black female brewer to own a brewery in South Africa. I want lots more to say. Actually, started it, but then there was a thousand more that came after. And that is why my, my focus when it comes to um, training and employing brewers at the moment, I'm very, very, very biased towards women um, and black women because it's, it's, it's uh, we, uh, for me, I feel I can't just, I can't just do the talking only. I need to do the do also. And that is what I would want to be remembered for.
I don't want to be the first and last, uh, you know, black female brewer. Those are the words of Apiwa Nkusani Mawela, who is a brewmaster, a beer educator, and uh, she is um, the founder um, of uh, she is the founder of uh, Brewster Craft, and uh, she was just giving us some insights into her business, her journey, um, and uh, just uh, her time in the industry. Thoughts around. Uh, family upbringing money background very fascinating discussion on the other side of this we come to the end of the show keep it locked this is the business buzz the business buzz with mudiwa mokshastis kabaza Thank you so much to Apiwe for being our brand new heavy for the month of uh, September. Really enjoyed that discussion around uh, the beer making industry, alcohol industry, what it takes to be in the industry, the qualifications, um, some of the the politics around it, um, and uh, some of Apiwe's thoughts, um, her journey and uh, her business mindset, having grown up in a, in a business oriented family, and some of the lessons that she said she's going to teach um, her children just around how to be in business money and your career. So a very valuable discussion and I think, you know, if if you have to, you know, maybe go back uh, to our platforms uh, such as uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Maybe go back to vits.journalism.co.za listen back and just reflect on the conversation that we've just had. So with that, remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us. Uh, that's VowFM or Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page. Um, that's a Vits Radio Academy on Twitter. We're at VowFM and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. What did you think of our POS story? Did you identify with it? Um, are you someone who's been looking to get into this industry and uh, do you, did you glean some knowledge about how to do so? Let us know what you guys think. The Business Buzz Podcast.